This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So you guys are in charge of filming this. Just don't mess it up again. So if you, uh, if someone asks a good question or is asking a question, you can feel free to see the button that switches the screen to the other camera, the front camera. You can do that. The people who watch these live feeds um, say that they're much more interesting when they see the people. Otherwise, they're... They're a little, it's a little boring. One guy keeps texting me saying, I only like your tangents. Please do more tangents. Uh, it's also, this live stream is seen by about two to 300 people a day. Um, when we boost it, which costs about 100 shekels, it goes to two to 3,000 people a day to watch it. So if anyone wants to sponsor, get the merit, you can sponsor it in part. But uh, once people sponsored, I hit boost, it's 3,000 people. Facebook notices when someone posts constantly, and they automatically cut off your viewership. So even though I probably have close to 10,000 people following me on Facebook, the uh, Facebook will not let it hit the world, because they see I post daily, and they think they might get some money out of this. And they're right. So anyway, but uh, anyone who would like, oh my God. <laughs> Mushroom juice. No, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Nahum today. <laughs> it doesn't have mushrooms in it. It does. It's made from mushrooms. What have I been drinking? Mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and if we can uh, just turn off that heater over there. We don't need any heat. we got a, about 30, 98-degree bodies in here. And it's making a ton of noise. Okay. Let's rock this. Now, um, I'm going to start with Yanir's question, even though that won't be the main focus of our class. But the, the word spiritual, if you look at the word spiritual, so it's made of both the word spirit and what? Ritual. Ritual. The ritual is something you can video. It's the body of the thing, and spirit is the soul. Spirit is the soul, and ritual is the body. Rituals, again, you can video someone doing rituals, but the spirit behind the ritual, you cannot. The spirit, the physical and the spiritual world are completely bound up, and they are one. There is no distinction between spiritual and physical, because we are a projection from the mind of God. God is projecting us. This, this moment is the unfolding of infinite into finite. This moment is not... You're not in a physical world. You're in the mind of God. Think about it this way. Someone's got to be making something up. Either God's real and he makes us up, or we're real and we make God up. But we can't both be empirically real. We can't both be empirically real. Because this being is an infinite being and we are a finite reality. So if this is a finite reality, it automatically pushes God outside of it. But if you push God outside of it, that means God has an edge and he's no longer infinite. Ever thought about that? Ever thought about that, ladies? That if we have God outside the finite, that means the finite limits God, which means God is no longer beyond limit, which is the definition of an infinite God. Infinite means outside of space and time. But it doesn't just mean outside space and time. It really means unlimited by space and time, because it's infinite. But I really love the word infinite, because if you look at it and separate the I-N from the finite, it spells infinite. 
Because God is not limited to outside space and time. God's also inside space and time. Now, obviously, I'm showing which side I think is making up what. I believe there's God making us up. So one of us can only be empirically real. Either this world's the empirically real thing and we make up this God thing to comfort ourselves, or God is the empirical reality. God is the absolute reality, and he's making us up. We are the projection. We are the holographic projection from the mind of God. The reason why it's quite obvious to side on the fact that God's making us up and we're not making God up is because worlds don't create themselves. So before there was something, there was nothing, and nothing makes nothing. So since, the, since now there's something, it must be that nothing was God, because nothing makes nothing. So if there was truly nothing before there was something, so then you have to have a God, because nothing would have made nothing, and since nothing made something. So that's why we know there's a God, not we believe there's a God, we know there's a God. It's not a question of belief. It's a question of a knowledge that something's making something up here. Either God's making us up or we're making God up. One of us has to be the true reality. And we can't be simultaneously real. <coughs> Meaning, when I say real, I mean absolute real. We are definitely sub-dominantly sub, um, real. Meaning we are, we, are, um, we are being brought into existence by this being. Now, it's happening really fast, how God creates in, uh, the finite from the infinite. It's strobing so quickly you can't see it. So it makes us sense timeline. It makes us sense the, the uh, temporal. It makes us sense uh, what do you call, linear, linear you know, causality. But that is only for our free will. Linear causality, that we see things literally, is only that we should have free will in this space-time continuum. But in fact, the entire space-time continuum is, is really coming into existence at all times. This world is being created. not It was created. And if God were to stop creating the world, the whole world would cease to exist. Now think about it this way. If before there was nothing, there's just God, and God decides to create the world, well, what did God use to create the world? There is no Home Depot in heaven. There's no Costco. There's no Mika's, Mika's Hardware. I know my countries. There's no, that's South Africa. There's no Mika's Hardware. So what did God use to create the world? Well, if all there was was God, so God's using God to create the world. God's creating the world out of himself which is the second name of God that we use in blessings, Elokus, which is godliness, Elokus. Is, uh, that's why we have Baruch Atah Hashem. Hashem is how God surrounds space and time. Elokeinu is how God fills space and time. So God is not just surrounding, but God is also filling. Mm -hmm. So really the intimacy of the God experience is right here and right now. You don't have to seek it somewhere. You've, I'm sure you all would have loved to have the God experience on your trip to Israel. Well, welcome to the God experience. This is it. The God experience. Imagine sitting next to a Gentile on your plane who says, oh, you're going to Israel. Guess you want to have the God experience. And you say, no, I'm just going to Israel. But deep down, you wanted the God experience. 
But you're such a peak experience junkie. You're such a peak experience junkie that you think God's only going to like be an experience that hit you in the face. It's got to be something that just blew you away. That's not the way spirituality works. Spirituality is for the people who have sensitized themselves to the subtlety of God in the finite, in the unfolding of infinite into finite, the subtlety of God in the moment. This is why we relate so deeply to music, because music works at the speed of sound, and that's a lot easier for us to you know, move to that speed, and it opens up our hearts and moves us straight into spirituality. But most of our day is being inundated by the speed of light, which is everything you see. The speed of light is, is um, way beyond most of us to open up our hearts. You can see a beautiful sunset. We got a bunch of chairs. We brought them in for you, actually. You're welcome. You guys are together? Um, you, you just grab these two seats here. Yeah, these two. Or those two are kind of together. Then you can be together. You can see the Swiss Alps and have, you know, an awe-inspiring experience. You can see the sunset, a rainbow. You might be fairly blown away by the sights, but uh, the, this sight is, is moving way too fast for humans. Uh, sound is what really gets us. Sound moves us deep. Smells pretty good, too. And hence the... Uh, when you would be in Jerusalem, I know I can't provide this for you right now, although I'm coming from meditation, so I was providing it for myself. But uh, there are, that when someone came to Jerusalem, as soon as he even got within the border of Jerusalem, you could already hear the sounds of thousands of Levites who were singing and playing, thousands. There were thousands just in the choir with the singing, but there were also thousands of musicians who were playing all the time. It never ended. It always kept going. When they would when they would get tired, their fingers got tired, their voice got tired, they were replaced. And the whole time the incense was going, made of eleven spices. When they when you put all eleven spices together, it just blew everybody away. Smell moves us deeply. Parker, we got a bunch of seats. Come, come. I just we just hassled with all these seats. Just to give you a place to sit. You know, maybe let's move this couple in a little bit because you guys are okay. So smell, smell is like super powerful. I should have brought you a sample. Uh, maybe oh, it's Thursday already. Someone have to remind me to bring some uh, some smells for the class. We'll do music and smells next week. One of the class, someone has to remind me for the music and the smells. So there is no distinction between physical and spiritual at all. They are, they are totally bound up and one and the same. And all the people, I pity the fool who thinks God's separate than physicality because they'll never live spiritually and they'll always <coughs> spend their lives desiring, wanting, chasing after spirituality when it's right in front of their face. It's kind of like love. You know, they, they, we all have love and we all have issues with love. 
but it's right in front of you. And the second you get over your issues, all of a sudden you realize you were surrounded by it the whole time. Even love that you think is toxic. Like, for example, I think probably most women think their mother's love's toxic, and I find most men think their father's love is toxic. But as soon as you get over yourself, and you can just let that go, all of a sudden you realize that love in any form is beautiful. Even if it comes with a constant barrage of comments and suggestions, as our parents tend to do. My dad loves talking to me about financial responsibility. But I mean, let's face it, you know, my father calls me about financial responsibility. Um, Parker, my father ever called you about your financial responsibility? I don't yes, think, he has, no, he never has. I don't think he knows who you are, actually. And everyone answer in three words why my father calls me about finance. Because he loves you. He loves, he loves me. And once you get break through your issues with yourself, you'll take love in any form and you find out it's everywhere. So it's the same thing with God. It's everywhere. You just gotta you just gotta get over it. There's also a sense of disappointment inside of all of us. We've got to watch out for disappointment. I think all of us had dreams that have been dashed, either from young childhood thinking the world was a lot prettier than it was. Think, hoping things would be more Disneyland than, you know, horror story. But uh, I think we've all grown to make do with a world that wasn't what we dreamed of. And in fact, that, um, that disappointment kind of lodges in. And then when you kind of got a hunch that, it's, that God's going to fix this, the problem is, is you constantly put God outside the step, kind of right outside of you. You push God right outside of you because of the, the, the layered disappointments of years of childhood. And so, who am I to suddenly open my heart up to the experience of God right here, right now? So let's practice. Let's just leave the disappointment behind for a minute and just let's have a God experience together. So I hit the top switch on the light and just spend a moment in the experience. It might be another, the second button too might help. And not that turning off the lights makes it more godly. In fact, having the lights on would have made it more godly to me, but it might help you to just have a shifted scene right now. I'm going to take a deep breath. And close your eyes a moment. Get rid of all that visual content, all that speed of light stimulation. Just get a little more into the sound. Breathe. Don't forget to breathe. So why don't we all just exhale together? I feel someone's eyes are open, so please close them. I can feel you looking at me. So everyone close your eyes, and let's exhale together, blowing out through the mouth. Let's inhale through the nose with a deep breath and hold your breath. Hold your breath and just focus on the area between your eyebrows. Focus just on that area there. 
tends to clear out the mind. Release your breath through your mouth, staying focused on that area real slow. Inhaling through the nose, and hold your breath. Focusing on the area between your eyes, between your eyebrows. Release your breath. Now let's bring in some visuals again, opening up your eyes. open up your eyes and just realize and experience the unfolding. Don't focus on whoever walks in. Stay totally focused up here. Realizing and staying focused on God unfolding himself into this moment. Close your eyes again. You can grab a seat over here. Close your eyes again and focus yourself on the unfolding of infinite into finite and kind of releasing that linear way of looking at things, cause and effect, continuum type of mindset. And allow yourself to be more in touch or in touch totally with the unfolding of infinite into finite. Hashem, Yud and He and Vav and He unfolding into Elopus, into how God shows up in the physical. Really being present in the moment, opening up your eyes again. Really being present in the moment and releasing all years of disappointment that life wasn't as amazing as you thought it would be. Let go of that belief. That's not a belief that's getting you anywhere. God is creating this moment and it's amazing. and He's created all the moments. And if you notice right now, is there anything wrong right now? Is there anything wrong? Now, I'm sure if you all thought about your lives, you'd think of things that you need to deal with. I don't think there's anyone in the room who doesn't have something they have to deal with, and even things that we wish we didn't have to deal with, meaning things we wish we were on the other side of. I think you have that as well. But right now in this room, you're not in position to be dealing with anything. So why would you waste even one tiny bandwidth of your thinking for stuff you cannot solve right now. So you'll notice in this moment, there's nothing wrong. When's the last time you had a moment where everything was just perfect? When's the last time you had a perfect moment? And guess what? All it takes is focusing on this moment and it will be perfect. Most people like don't like lines in traffic, lines in offices or stores and traffic. I love them. I love waiting rooms with chairs. I just go sit and wait for my name to be called. Sometimes I smile at the people in the waiting room. My new best friends for the next 20 minutes. I don't necessarily speak to them, but I would if they wanted to. Okay, I speak. I want you to sense this room right now as like a pop-up book. That, like you open the page and everything pops up. We're all popping up right now. With your feet on the floor, 
plant your feet on the floor. Imagine you are a tree. The flower is your t head, your hair, your face. And the earth is where your feet are. And we are all connected to a root system underneath called the soul. So we're all, we're like one organism. And this is the five levels of the soul. In Judaism, we talk about five levels of the soul. There's the top level is called the Yechida. It's where all souls are united. That's the word Yechid, like Yachad, Echad. So that's a part of you. And we're all connected to that root soul. You'll notice that the consciousness that you're experiencing right now is it's got no definition. Meaning your consciousness that you have called your point of reference is not in your body. Your mind, your mind reports to it, but it is not in you. If I put you in an MRI, we would not find you. We would not find that point of reference. It does not exist anywhere in the physical body. Brain science has already proved that the point of reference called you that conscious you, the being of the human being, is not in the body. They searched for years to try to find it. It's not there. So where's it coming from? You ever thought about that? Where is your point of reference coming from? Things don't come from nowhere. <coughs> you got something called you yet it doesn't show up anywhere in your body. It seems to hang around it. And those are the words, umafli lasot, for those who make the blessing after the bathroom. The last two words are, umafli lasot, who acts wondrously. When you click on those words, our rabbis teach us that, that the wonder that when your body's alive, the soul hangs around it. It's weird that it hangs around it. It's bizarre that the soul hangs around the body. This, what is the nature of the consciousness that you are that's not physical? Where's it coming from? Everything comes from something. Where does it come from? Where's your consciousness coming from? You want to say your memories? I'll tell you, definitely not. There are no memories right now. Memories are in the left part of the brain, which we've already short-circuited through this experience. Left brain is filled with memories. Hence those disappointments. But the presence that you have right now is with no memory. And that's the sense of joy you might feel in your chest right now. Close your eyes a moment. Take a deep breath. And feel the joy inside your heart, your chest, as it expands, as you breathe. And that joy is the innate joy of the person who is present spiritually to their soul. It's there all the time. It never leaves you. And most importantly, it's memory-free. You can open your eyes. It's memory-free. has no memory. So I hope you're all starting to realize that 
the spiritual person sensitizes his or herself to the subtlety of God in the moment. You can turn on the light. The spiritual person sensitizes his or herself to the subtlety of God in the moment. And so it's not, the more you seek it, the more it will run away from you. It's not one of those things that you get by trying. It's like trying to fall asleep. You ever try to fall asleep? It doesn't work very well. It's a similar thing as uh, tapping into the unfolding of God into you, into the moment, to this seemingly physical world that's really just the unfolding of God in the moment. This is why we'll hear of amazing reversals in health issues that, according to the medical world and all medical history, the, the symptom, the thing that person has that's already been diagnosed, uh, you know, of some kind of a fatal thing will suddenly reverse. I know someone was just released from jail. Uh, he was commuted because he was, uh, it was a Gentile, I don't know who it was, something Spencer. He was uh, commuted because it turned out he didn't do what he did. But he was shot in the head twice by the police. And both bullets bounced off his head. And then and then finally taken down with a couple shots in the chest. And uh, miraculously lived through it. He's perfectly healthy. And uh, went to jail for however long and then was commuted. Now he's free. I just watched a video clip of some Gentile so angry that a total stranger to every Jew, a guy by the name of Shalom Rabashkin, got commuted the same week or day. And people were dancing in the streets. Streets were shut down all over the world for dancing. Not one of those people dancing really knew who he was. All we knew was a Jew got released from prison. And the Gentiles of the world, I think, you know who picked him up at jail? His lawyer and his mother. And that was the end of it. He went home and went back to his life. We're all connected totally to each other. We are linked up to the Yechida. That Yechida is unique to Judaism. It's not that Gentiles don't have souls, but those higher levels called Yechida are unique to our nation, the Jewish people. We're all connected. We're linked up totally. It's funny that we're also genetically connected. The geneticists have found us all linked to three women. Every single Jew is connected to three women. And Kohanim are linked to, and they have their own little gene marker that is the priesthood. <coughs> you had a question? Yeah. Um, Hashem is everywhere. There are certain things that we know. We're you can't let us, you can't make this a little more interesting for the people watching. Please. Sure. Thanks. Take um, care of it, boys. We know that there are some things that drive his presence away or where he's more present, like by the Kotel. Excellent so. question. Excellent question. So 
So the question has to do with God's presence in volume. Like, is there a volume knob on the presence of God? So the answer is yes, but <laughs> but unlike our volume knobs on our stereos, ours go to the zero. God's doesn't go to zero. If God's volume knob goes to zero, what happens to that thing? It would cease to exist. So so God's volume level of His presence in let's say a a uh, brothel in Amsterdam, let's say, is definitely five to one, like way down low volume there. But it's there. And God's presence at the Western Wall, which is just, I know it's stone and it looks like it's hard, but it's actually made of sponge. It's been softened by thousands of years of prayers. And it's it's got a high, high level. It's a one of the wormholes from the, the finite to the infinite. And it's not really the true wormhole. The true wormhole is where that gold dome is underneath the gold dome. And that's got like the blasting high volume. The volume's so high under there that when everything's set up in its place, like the temple's there and the ark is there and the, um, and the incense altar's there and the, you know, everything's going on up there. The, it was so intense in there the volume's so high in there that it came to a point where we had to tie a rope around the high priest because he would only go in there on Yom Kippur, but we'd tie a rope around him. And while he would do his service in there, he would, um, the likelihood of him dying was very high. We had, we had high priests die year after year. I mean, one year after the other, the high priest would die in the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. Not good news that's an important service to be done but we couldn't the problem is you're not allowed in there so they had to deal the first time someone a, a high priest died in there he had to deal with the body and it wasn't so simple because you're not allowed in there and so they uh, they uh, resorted to tying a rope around him so they could just kind of pull him out if he died while in there and you know what it took to die in there what it took to die in there was it's going to sound a little strange but to experience it meant you'd die. You know what sometimes you're having an experience? First, the experience draws you out. That's cool. That won't make him die. But the second he comes back to him and says, and says like, whoa, he's a guy. He had to stay totally out of himself that entire time. He couldn't have his personal freak out moment inside this timeless wormhole called the Holy of Holies. But it would, many, kohan, many kohanim were not on the level of being able to stay totally out of self while in there. And so as soon as they had that moment of like, oh my gosh, you know, that OMG moment, I don't know if it was cardiac arrest, I don't know what happened to them, but they would, that was it. So the, the high priests who lasted for decades in there, who were able to do the, the service for decades, were heavy duty, heavy duty. Like first temple period, I don't think any high priest died. First temple, second temple, I don't know about how many survived, but it's uh, it's not easy to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you got the answer. It's a volume knob. So let me just tell you other things. I told you brothel to the holy of holies. Um, there's other volumes. Uh, Shabbat, Shabbat for someone keeping Shabbat. <coughs> the frequency of God's indwelling is super high. Shabbat's super high. Um, other indwelling, probably 
one of the biggest indwellings is the intimacy between a husband and his wife who are married and she has been to the mikvah after menstruation. That is, that is one of the uh, super, super kind of, uh, that's another kind of point of connection that is, that is the highest. That's why you'll notice there are so many laws around interaction of gender in Judaism. And why? Not because we're into rules. <laughs> Jews actually, if you look around, you know, if you read the newspapers, we're not that into rules. Jews actually don't like rules. They, the reason why is because it's all there to cre keep the sensitivity of husbands and wives connected to each other. That's why for women it's so important to dress super modestly, super modestly, um, so that they're, they're not causing a lessening of sensitivity for the man who might see her throughout the day when he gets home to his spouse. <coughs> that, that meaning, uh, I understand if a woman's had uh, her heart crushed, which is about every single one I've ever met, including every guy I've ever met. We've all had our hearts broken <laughs> in smithereens. They've been put through egg slicers and then turned and put through again. All of us, by the time we were three, how many times did stuff go wrong by the time we were five or six? Anyway, so what happens with men and women is after a, enough heartache, after enough breach of the, the sacred love that we all so desire, is we all turn to the counterfeit of love, which is attention. It's the counterfeit. It feels like love when people give you attention, when you can draw someone's eyes or, or you know, just draw attention to yourself. It feels like love, looks like love. When you see someone getting attention, you're like, oh, everyone loves them. This is why, like, rock stars die on the night of their biggest concert at, like, 3, 4 in the morning because there's no one clapping anymore, and they're alone in some hotel room, and that big, deep, dark <coughs> hole shows up again. And they got to sleep because they got another show the next night, and they take something to fall asleep. But there's only so much of that you can take every night. So the body gives up. That's why most rock stars never live to their 30th birthday, but 40th birthday. But we're all um, we're all just a minor version of a rock star. And but in Judaism, you'll notice that the women dress very modestly, and they do the least possible uh, drawing of attention toward themselves for two reasons. One is because they've had their hearts broken the least compared to the rest of the world where they throw their girls out to the wolves at about 13, 14 years old. So the, the girls and the, 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 the daughters of Israel are actually protected till marriage. So their heartbreak isn't quite like the Gentile heartbreak. And the other is, um, the other is that we're protecting the men so that when they're, in, when they're going to be experiencing the indwelling of the presence of God, in their marriage, they're going to have the ultimate connection. There's, n there's no one else in the bedroom with them. It's just them. And so between those two things of the, the whole heart, or whole or heart, everyone's had their hearts broken so many times. By, you know, all it takes your parents not to show up in school when they were supposed to pick you up, and they forgot. Or they were out of town during your class play. You know, I mean, it takes anything to break your heart. But the real broken hearts that come through relationships before you have the, you know, for the secular world or the Gentile world, 
before the woman has an insurance policy on her finger that her heart will be held forever, they're giving way too much before the insurance policy. And that lends to a broken heart and then immediately to fulfill that hole, you gotta fill the hole. And the way you fill the hole is with attention. And that just doesn't happen as much to the daughters of Israel um, who are being protected through marriage. And, and, then, uh, and the other is that, that the general society is set up so that the husbands and the wives are highly sensitized to one another. So that the, the ingathering of the divine presence happens when the two of them unite. I hope you enjoyed today's God experience. I suggest you keep going with it. You know, why, why have it end when the class ends? I'm not going to end mine. I'm going to keep moving with this. I've been moving with it all day. So why take a break from the amazing feeling of the presence of God in this world as you spend, you know, your life? Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.